What did you eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast? Um, I had a cinnamon roll and a couple cups of coffee. Probably too many cups of coffee. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. Business. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company located in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, due to the current situation, with all live music being essentially stopped, it'll come as no surprise to many people listening to this show that musicians and especially their support crew and management teams have found their income dramatically reduced. That's why the Skinny Armadillo has set up a website to support artists called Music for Good. You can purchase a specially designed t-shirt for this cause and $10 from that t-shirt will be donated to any band or artist of your choice. You can also donate money as well as purchasing the shirt. All you need to do is go to musicforgood.itemorder.com. That's musicforgood.itemorder.com. And of course, there'll be a link to the website on musiconyourownterms.com with the show notes and also in the social media posts for this episode. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast, including finding out who I'll be interviewing next by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. And finally, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. Welcome to episode 54 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Joining me this episode is Mr. Tim Chimes, bassist extraordinaire, recording guru, and all-round audio sage. We have a long overdue chat about where Tim got his passion for music, prog, and recording, how he met our mutual bestie Bruce, and what projects he's currently working on. We delve into his job as a tech support engineer for an audio technology company, his advice for musicians stuck at home that want to get a recording setup going, and we also explore some of Tim's high and low points of the last couple of decades. Stay till the end, and you'll be treated to some tasty prog goodness in the form of a new Strigiform song that Tim has bestowed upon us. But enough of me yakking. Let's boogie. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today, I am joined by... There are those that call him Tim... 
Mr. Tim Chimes, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Not bad for a, a, a Saturday stuck inside. Um, yeah, so let's let's dig into uh, you know what you play in, what you do for a living, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, first first of all, um, I met you through our good friend Bruce, and you're sporting a, a wonderful Brucifer apparel. Yes. That I may I may or may not have made. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I mean, let's start there. How did you meet Bruce? Um, Actually, let's not start there. Okay. What do you do? What do I do? That yes. is, there's a lot. Um, at the at the end of the day, I'm all about audio, um, mm-hmm. just audio in general. So, um, I'm a bass player, a guitar player. I write the majority of the music that I, you know, work on with bands. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I've done some sound editing for film, um, commercials, TV, um, music. I've done some mixing and mastering for music. And um, for my full-time job, I do technical support for a company that makes um, radio and broadcast equipment. Awesome. So even though it's not the creative side, it's the technical side of audio. Absolutely. So So you're you're completely... Consumed by just audio. Consumed by it. Yeah. That's that's killer. Um, yeah. So, what are your current projects right now? Let's let's go there. Yeah. So, um, I just wrapped up uh, the latest our latest album for Strigiforms, uh, which is Almageddon. Mm-hmm. Um, Formerly known as, and I can see the bass head that. Oh, oh, look! I did the did the art for that too. <laughs> yep, right there. Yep. Yep. Owl. Formerly known as Owl. Formerly yep. known as Owl, and uh, that's a that's a story if you want to get into that later. Um, and Definitely. then I'm also playing drums for mm-hmm. an indie rock band. So we're um, we're awesome. recording some some stuff right now. So I've got it got the mic set up to do some demos, so we can figure out what the heck we want to do with that. Awesome. Yep. And what's that project called? Oh, does that have a name yet? Yeah, that... that's Wailing Whales. Okay. I actually don't cool. do a lot of the writing for that. I, I'm kind of like a, like a producer slash, um, quasi studio musician. I'm like technically part of the band. Um, we've okay. I think we've only had one show together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he has his uh the other guy. His name's uh Philip Herzl. Um, he, he's released, I think three three or four albums under the name Wailing Whales. Um, awesome. And I've played bass on a handful of them, and I mixed a handful of them as well. Awesome. Um, yeah. So let's let's go into uh, Strigiforms. I mean, what what was the impetus of that? I mean, where did that come from? And and let's yeah. So it's it's Br- Bruce plays the drums and he does all the uh, keyboard stuff on it. Yeah. And then it's uh, uh, Cor- is it Corey Breath singing? No. So the singer for Strigiforms is Brad Babcock. Brad, that's right. Yeah. I may have mixed those up in, in Bruce's interview, too, <laughs> or somebody similar. But, yeah, so it's Brad Babcock. He definitely uh, definitely got mentioned. So how did that – is there anyone else on the new album uh, doing guests, it's or is just, it just the three of it's you? It's just the three of us on this. Um, cool. Yeah, this album I actually started to write in, like, 2011, mm-hmm. and I wrote most of it in 2011. 
and um, had had most of it recorded by like 2013, and then um, I don't know, like I don't know if I just got picky with it or or what, mm. but it kind of just sat around for a while, and then and then we we actually added a full time guitarist to the band, Sam Wright. He's he's a guy who plays with Brad some of Brad's other stuff, okay. and um, we were gonna try to do some live shows. So then. I put the album on hold so we could do some shows. We did one show mm-hmm. <laughs> in like 2015, and then the pa- the band kind of fell apart in 2016, and I just um, stopped working on it. Right. But mm-hmm. Bruce and I kept talking about how much we enjoyed listening to the song, so I just decided I needed to get it out there. Sweet. Yeah, and it it really uh yeah, it's it's really good. It's definitely it builds a ton on the original, you know, um what was the name of that? Big Picture. Big Picture, that's right. Yeah. That's right. There's... Yeah, it builds a lot on that and um yeah, it's it's great. Thanks. Yeah, it's um it's funny. I listen to Big Picture and I can tell like there those songs are longer and like I guess I guess proggy or in parts, but I feel like I'm matured in my songwriting with Almageddon, even though that was done 10 years ago. So, right. Um, we have, we do have newer stuff that we wrote when we added Sam. Um, and that's actually mostly recorded as well. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully going to release that, but in, within the next 10 years. <laughs> so what, what would you say your main project is, uh, musically? Musically? Strigiforms. Forms. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're you're more of a studio rat than a live person. Yeah, and that's not essentially. That's not by choice. I always, I always wanted to play more shows, but somehow I've only played like twelve ever. <laughs> it's I don't understand wow. why. Um, I don't know, but um, it's just how how it goes, I guess. Um, sure. But because I'm so enthralled in audio and recording, I don't I don't mind it being a studio project. Right, right, sure. Um, yeah, so let's let's dig back. I mean, uh, is is Chimes Audio still a thing? Are you doing <laughs> things here and there, or is that um, like on hold? Or it's for a long time. I was going to try to do a lot more freelance work under that name, and um, mm. yeah, I haven't really been doing anything with that in the last few years. Um, I because as a couple of years ago, I started working at a studio. So then at that at that point, I just, you know, I didn't feel the need to freelance doing uh, sure. audio work anymore because I was working in a studio. Um, and then I don't work right. at the studio anymore, and I I kind of realized that I like doing my own stuff. So for the moment, I think I'm just going to yeah. stick to my personal audio projects. I might come back to Chimes Audio at a later time. Um, I haven't really decided what I want to do with that cool. right now. Right. But just just for listeners' uh, perspective, that that was was that focused more oh. on film and sound design? Yeah, or was that that's a that, that, so that that's a good point. Our list, the listeners probably have no idea what the heck that is. So that yeah, I should I should give some context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chimes Audio. Um, that was my way of doing freelance work for mostly films. Um, mm-hmm. So um, when I was in college, I got. I, I did a couple of recording classes and I got like really into the film work. Um, we did some like um, ADR and sound design and 
um, Foley work, and I was like, this is amazing. So I kept trying to mm. to do more of that after I graduated, and then it spun into Chimes Audio as a way for me to try to do that as a freelancer. Um, yeah, and I did a couple of indie films with some people. Um, and uh, But yeah, I, I mean, and I still like it, but I think I'm mostly just taking a break from it for right now. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you really need to. I mean, there's a there's a book called The One Thing. If you if you concentrate on too many things at once, it kind of falls apart. Really, that's. I think you really need to specialize. You know, it's great to have a broad range of, you know, stuff you're working on. But, you know, to get to get pro, you know progress with stuff, I think you just have to concentrate on one thing at a time. Otherwise. You never accomplish anything. You just have to knock it out and then move on to the next thing. Boy, is that true? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I learned that the hard way. Guilty. Um, but yeah, let's let's so let's go back to your you you know your roots, as it were. I mean, what got you into music in the first place? Um, the school bands. Um, mm-hmm. when I was in like fifth grade, I started playing trumpet, and um, like I enjoyed it, like. It was, you know, I was in fifth grade. I was, Pokemon was more of my thing at the time, but I enjoyed the trumpet and mm-hmm. I stuck with it. And, uh, um, but then by the time I got to high school, I just like, I don't know, I got like super hyper into music at that point. Um, I remember I went to, so I was in the marching band in high school mm-hmm. and I remember we went to a band party. It was the first band party after the first football game of my freshman year and uh there was a rock band playing in the garage and i was like nice. i want to do that i only played trumpet at the time so right i started a band uh and i did not play trumpet for it because i wanted to start a rock band i wasn't really into ska um <laughs> and i realized I, I formed the band i i had all my friends who who played instruments that were working a rock band like i formed the band and I realized we didn't have a bass player so I started playing bass <laughs> nice so I mean have you been playing you know all the lots of different instruments from the get-go did you kind of dabble at the beginning or did you just start doing that later on because you I don't know I don't want to put words in your mouth but maybe just because you wanted to demo all this music you had yeah um well I mean a lot. I'm gonna keep coming back to this, but it just keeps coming back to my high school years because that's, like I said, mm. when I got really into it. So in high school, I picked up bass. Um, I started noodling on guitar, uh, but bass was really my main instrument for those years. Sure. Um, I played trumpet. I switched to um, euphonium, if you know what that is. Uh, Vaguely, <laughs> it's it's kind of like a tiny concert tuba with the range of yeah. a trombone. It's a little right darker sounding but uh so i played mm-hmm. that and then i played trombone um i played bass in the jazz band i was in choir for a short time i just tried to do everything at that point i just got just like that was that was it man like that's i just mm-hmm. wanted to play music forever and um and then you know later i started playing guitar more and more really more of as a as a necessity um mm-hmm. for for like songwriting, like I wrote a lot, like I wrote, excuse me, I write a lot of my songs on the bass, but sometimes it's just easier to figure it out on a guitar or figure out sure. chord fingerings and stuff like that. And 
and then um, like I wanted to start recording the stuff, and um, I either had problems finding guitar players, or finding guitar players willing to play it, or being mm. staying motivated. Sure. I found motivation has been a hard thing to find in a lot of people. I, that that that's that's been pretty hard. So I eventually mm-hmm. just started recording the guitar for everything, so so it would get done. Right, exactly. I don't think that I'm that great of a guitar player, but at least it gets the music out there. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the guitar on it is is great. So. <laughs> well, thank you. No, no complaints. <laughs> there. Um, I mean, it, I've already I've, I've said this before. I mean, you're a fantastic bass player. So, you know, I've I've gone the other way from playing guitar a long time and then switching to bass, mm-hmm. um, you know, for various different bits and pieces. And I, left hand is obviously the same. The right hand is nothing. It's a different instrument. <laughs> totally different. It took, me a, it took me a lot to be able to. And I really don't like playing bass with a pick, so I, I'm i like, yeah, I'm not playing with a pick. I'll, I'll just learn to play with my fingers. Haven't got slap bass down at all, but I'm, I'm, fair, I'm proficient enough where, you know, I've played live a few times playing you know finger yeah. style but yeah anyway yeah most but anyway back to back to your music no, tangents no i to- and i but i totally get what that's like though because that's that's actually a struggle of mine with guitar mm. is um that i actually had to correct recently is that i would pick too hard i don't normally pick on a bass but i do sometimes if i want that sound sure and um but i pick harder on a bass so then when i switched over to the guitar like you don't have to get, touch the guitar like at all to make sound and so i um i had to teach myself to not pick so damn hard because i was putting a bunch of tension in my arm and shoulder and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it was not good so i very recently had to kind of relearn that sure yeah i mean uh, and and the side note to that is i actually had an eight string at one point a schecter and schecters are known for having thick necks Mm mm-hmm um, and you know, it just like, it, it had active pickups and I'm not, I'm not an active pickup fan in guitar. Um, but yeah, it just sat there. Then I got a bass, a five string bass and I was playing that for a while. And then I picked up the eight string. I'm like, wow, this is nothing. Right. I ended up getting rid of it anyway because of the pickups, but sure. You know, it just felt, Oh, I actually, I can play this. It's just, it's just that, you know, that context you ha- you have when you pick up different instruments. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you really need to pick up different sized scale lengths and and string thicknesses just to get a broad context of of stringed instruments in general but uh, that's killer um so what what made you um what got you into prog like was there a specific band you heard i'm guessing in high school or oh like i said man it all goes back to my high school years i that was that was the uh oh i had a great word for it and it just Boop, like out of my brain. <laughs> Don't you hate that? That was, um, but that's where it all started. Um, it's probably no surprise that it was Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody probably could have guessed that one. I, I think so. <laughs> but the first Dream Theater song that I remember hearing was The Glass Prison. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I mean what, else do you, what else is there to say about that? It was... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, if if you're not a prog fan, those listening, just go listen to some Dream Theater and get the context. Yes. Um, and actually, speaking of the word I just said, Yes was the second uh, mm-hmm. prog band that I really started to get into. Um, the Close to the Edge album. 
was the first one I happened to listen to. So that was um, nice. Yeah. So between those two, that that was again like that was it, man. Like that's all I wanted to listen to and play at that point. Yeah, I, I'm 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 a quite a number of years older than you. Mine was uh, hearing an abridged version of "Take the Time" on a magazine CD. That's that got me into, and it was it was a little. Let's see. I think that came out a little later than the album, that magazine. So at this, it was a maybe my first album I bought was Awake, and then I bought, t- um, you know, the quote-unquote first album, right. but it's the second album. Right. Uh, Images and Words, um, probably about th- the same week. So it was around that kind of time. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, like the the video to Lie, where they're going through the streets of New York, that was on MTV, and so that got me into them. Um, but you, you're definitely one of the only people I see post about uh, a um, brain fart. Swedish band, uh, un- very underrated, very underground, amazing singer. Pain of Salvation. Thank you. Oh, yes. They're... You're kind of the only person that I, that posts about that band, and it's like, why? They're amazing. Oh, they're my favorite. Yeah. I, I found them um, like five years after I kind of got into Prague, um, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I don't know. I listen to them constantly. I can't get enough of Pain of Salvation. Daniel's the man. Um, oh, yeah. That, that dude, I mean... <laughs> Something different. Yeah, it's, he's it's just he's a, he's just so good at what he does. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Beyond the Pale is probably my favorite song. It's yeah. Of, Have you seen them yeah, live? Just, unfortunately, not. That was they played that. Um, I saw them on one of their um, one of their few U.S. tours mm. in the last few years when they were promoting their most recent album, and they played that song, and it was man, it was so good. Yeah, because that that um, I remember. Before I left uh, New England, maybe if only a few years before that, they played Boston, mm-hmm. and I I knew about it like the day after. Uh, like, how how was that not promoted? That ha- I mean, it was just this little little club in Cambridge, and it it kind of been. I, I may not have been even been in the state at the time, but it was just like what? How how did I miss this? <laughs> that sucks. So, it does. Uh. yeah. So let's get get into how you met Bruce. Sure. Obviously, you're in you're in uh, you're in Toledo, or you're in. Uh, did you grow up in Toledo? Nope. Or you never nope. touched Toledo. Where, where are you? So I'm in Cleveland. Cleveland, thank you. Um, and I met Bruce. So when I was in college, um, I was constantly you know trying to form bands with people and stuff. And at one mm-hmm. point, me and my roommate at the time, who was a guitar player. Um, he was very motivated, by the way. We did a lot of stuff together, but I don't know that we really recorded like an album or anything. Um, anyway, sure. tiny tangent. Um, so <laughs> actually, that was Scott. He played. He played on. He played a solo on the first Stranger Forms album, and he played a solo on the first uh, song on About Time. Fun fact. Okay. So nice. Uh, oh, we forgot to mention About Time. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get we'll come back. So, anyways, I was playing with a bunch of people, and um, Scott and I were in a band together with some other people, and it just it didn't end well. Um, long story, but it didn't end well. 
And I happened to somehow see on Facebook that this Bruce guy, who I was not friends with, I don't know how I saw this post, Mm. um, was talking to one of the guys in the band about playing drums for them. And um, and at the time, Bruce's um, uh, Bruce's um, profile picture was uh, a Dream Theater album cover, mm-hmm. and which really wasn't what this band was. So I reached out to Bruce and I said, first of all, sweet album cover, bro, or sweet profile picture. And then two, I don't know if you want to play with those guys, but do you want to jam sometime? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was it. That the rest is history. Awesome. And and that was that the beginning of Progzilla? Um no, so Progzilla I don't maybe you don't know this. So Progzilla the the short answer is no. Okay. Um Progzilla was the original name for Killbot Zero. Correct, yep. Right. That I did know. And uh they were already Killbot was already a band when I met Bruce. Okay. And they were past the Progzilla phase. Um ah. it wasn't for another like Five years that Progzilla became a thing. Oh, so that was like more of a reunion than a inception. Yeah, well, ish, kind of, sort of. Yeah, the Progzilla that I played in. Yeah, it was um, kind of. I mean, it was Chris and Bruce from Killbot, still Killbot yeah. Zero, um, and then keyboard player Tony. Um, I think his name's Tony. <laughs> Can we edit that out if? If it's not. Sure. <laughs> Stay a bunch of random names and I'll edit them in. Bob, Steve, Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, we just we just used the name Progzilla. It really had nothing to do with Killbot Zero. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. We just, just used the name Progzilla. Okay. But that, yeah, that came about later. Okay, so, um, yeah, so about time... Um, is you and Bruce, and who else? That one's Corey Breath. Okay, that's where I got confused. Yeah, All right. we we do a lot of things where it's just me and Bruce as the rhythm section, and then different singers apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, every time I turn around, Bruce is like talking about this new project or this old project, and there's like a hundred different oh, people, and right, you know, it's like, um, and and uh, when I talk to, um, um, God, I my brain is not working today. Um, Mohawk. Sean. Sean. When I, okay. When I talked to Sean, he, he was saying that, you know, he, he feels that because the Ohio area is kind of, or the Toledo greater area, if you will, is kind of like people don't like to tour there. It's kind of like the Seattle grunge scene where it's, it's kind of like everyone's building each other up and in interacting so the scene itself is getting bigger within itself mm-hmm. just because there's not as much outside influence just like seattle in the 90s so i don't know if that's your opinion or if you have a a take on it but i well i guess i don't know i feel like i'm kind of a little outside of that at this point mm-hmm. um i mean i haven't really really like played in a room with some of these people in years at this point so, so right. I'm kind of unfortunately out of the loop on some of okay. that. Right. But yeah, anyway, we we were saying just a lot of different uh a lot of different people. So what what's different um about about time versus strategy forms? Uh well about 
so Stranger Forms is supposed to be just Prague. You know, mm-hmm. that's our, well, our, our kind of dream theater influenced group. Um, but About Time was supposed to be more like pop Prague. Okay. Kind of flying colors-ish. Okay. Um, yeah, because Corey Breath, the singer, is um, he's really more of like a singer-songwriter type person. Um, mm. He does a lot of stuff. There's just you know him and his acoustic guitar. Um, so and the the three of us have had wanted to work together for years and had had a hard time trying to figure out what the heck to do because um, you know we didn't necessarily want to play his stuff, but he didn't necessarily want to play our stuff. So we we came up with a compromise where it's mm-hmm. it's a little of both. Um, it's it's more on the prog side, but we try to keep it a little bit more simple to kind of sure. go along with Corey's singing style. Okay. Um, nice. So yeah, and actually we're working on some some new stuff for that. Um, awesome. Drums are recorded, um, but I probably won't record the guitar and the bass for that for another couple of months. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a baby super soon. So, ah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, uh I, sometime it'll be in May. So, basically at that point I'm I'm going to take a break from a lot of this stuff for a while. Right. And then um Oh yeah, yes you will. <laughs> and and Corey just had a kid too. Oh cool. So, um yeah, I, I realistically about time won't the new about time probably won't really be finished until the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, you'll have your hands full for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so what I mean, what's your what's your writing um writing process for these different bands? Obviously you and Bruce are kind of integral to both bands. Um, you know, is it is it your like is, is Strigy Forms kind of you you map out the process and about times more of a collaborative? Like how do, how does it all work? Um they're both fairly collaborative. Um We've done a handful of different things. Um, sometimes I'll just write like a full song and send it to Bruce mm-hmm. and see what you think. And sometimes he d- sometimes he's like, oh, it sounds good. And sometimes he'll make little tweaks here and there. Um, sometimes he'll change the whole thing. But but it goes, it, it's the same way the other way around. Sometimes he'll send me a song and I'll be like, oh, that sounds great. Or make little tweaks or change the whole thing. Um, so... Um, with a lot of Strigiforms, I actually wrote most of that on my own, um, and it was very like stream of consciousness. Um, I wrote, I wrote, pun, pun intended. <laughs> what I mean, it is the Dream Theater inspired group, so yes, let's go with that. That was intentional. Okay. Um, at, at at the time, I wasn't. Um, I was kind of between jobs, sort of, and um, so I had, and I didn't have a, a kid and. Or, or like no dogs or, um, I was, I was dating my my wife at the time, but we weren't we weren't married, um, mm-hmm. so, I I had a lot more a lot more time on my hands at that at that time. So honestly, I was just me just sitting down and writing basically, constantly. Mm-hmm. I wrote most of that album in like two weeks. Wow. Um, some of those songs I remember we um, we tried some things where like we would. Bruce and I would both write in the same key and like the same hmm. tempo 
and then we would send send each other what we came up with, and we would combine them. Mm-hmm. So we did that for one or two songs. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. It just, yeah. It we're we're both pretty easygoing about uh, that. There's no there's no ego there, so that's nice. That's cool. Um, and obviously, just want to mention you 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 play a nice bass solo on Bruce's new album. Thanks. Well done for that. Thank one. you. I was concerned people are gonna think it's a synth, actually. It's it's a cool solo, regardless of what it is. I I appreciate but, yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I mean, do you do you want to talk a little bit about your your uh, your daytime job? You know, what what's involved there a little bit? I mean, I I do technical support. Uh, so. So what's what's what what's the product? Yeah. So so I work for a company called um, the Telus Alliance. Mm-hmm. And um, so they make a lot of equipment for radio stations. So they make um, phone hybrids, so they can put callers on air and not, you know, have it sound like a speakerphone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they make the consoles. Uh, they make audio processors. They make a lot of what's in a standard air chain. Um, they don't make transmitters, but they make basically everything else that most broadcasters need. And um, nice. their big thing, um, their big one of their big things is um, audio over IP, which is super cool. Um, hmm. So instead of having XLR cables all over the place, um, every device just has a network cable, mm. including the consoles. And so just wow. one network cable, and um, you just... You know, connect that to a network switch, and all the I/O for the console, or all the I/O for the processors, or all that stuff is just through one network cable going through a a specific network um, that's just for the audio. So it's it's pretty cool. In- interesting. Yeah. So is that? Is, I mean, obviously on radio, it's like a couple of mics and maybe a music track. Is is that kind of technology? Would that be uh, okay for running in a studio, or is there not enough bandwidth for that? Um, I think it depends on the application. So mm. um, a lot, so a lot of these bigger, a lot of the bigger radio stations can really take advantage of this because they'll have multiple studios, mm. um, and sometimes they'll want to share mics between rooms or automation systems between rooms or route do specific route changes so they don't go off air during certain things or if they're moving things around or. Sure. And, you know, it, it helps cut down on on clutter and it makes easy makes things easier to configure. Um, and I know people will sometimes use some of this stuff for live sound too, you know, mm-hmm. cut down on cables and stuff like that. But for recording studios, I don't know that 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 many people would need it. Um, sure. Depends on the studio. Um, the studio I worked in did use a couple of stuff for that. But I mean, it was I don't know, like five devices, maybe. Um, uh, it 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 just comes down to the application. If you only need a, if you only needed a couple mics, total for like the whole building, like you probably don't need audio over IP. Um, I think sure. it's it's more it's been more beneficial for larger installations. So like, I would love to okay. have it here in my own little like basement studio, but I don't. My computer's here. The drum set's there. I, I don't. Right. I don't need it. 
for sure. Um, I mean, is there any application for like like we're talking over the internet, obviously? Um, so it's a little different than that. This is this audio yeah. isn't designed to go over the internet. Okay. So this. Oh, okay. So it's within a within private. a building for. Yeah, so there's so there's no real dropouts or anything. It's it's in, contained in this one network. Yeah, and it okay. and it's all at um, uh, a sample rate of forty eight k at twenty four bits. Um, it's you know high high quality, you know professional grade audio through the network. So sure, it's it's interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry for the listeners that got that fell asleep there, but I I like going down tech rabbit holes because I'm a bit nerdy of that stuff, so <laughs> like to ask questions. Um, yeah, so I mean, do do you typically work from home with that, or is you you work? Well, typically I go into the office. Their main headquarters is in Cleveland, and okay. um, uh, but I have been working from home with yeah. COVID. <laughs> exactly. Um. And especially with the baby coming, I'm going to be working from home. So, And I'm lucky that I, I can work from home for a job like this. A lot of it is emails and phone calls with customers. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I mean, what, you know, given, do you, you, I, I, do you do a lot of installations with the company? Or not you personally, but, or, or is it mainly just sales and then providing the equipment? Or, or is it like a full service thing? Well, I mean, I mean the company does, does the whole thing. Um, okay. I mean, I, I just do technical support. So I work with the customers after they've already right. purchased the equipment. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, me or some, some other people on my team will go and do installs at radio stations. Um, you know, we'll go to the station and we'll help them uh, configure the gear for you know, how they need it configured, do some training. Um, but some of that we could do remotely, which is super cool. So I can mm-hmm. remote into customers' computers and help this um, one of the cool things with these products, aside from the audio over IP, is that all the configuration um, is through a web browser. I mean, it's on the network anyways. So Right, right, exactly. So you just put a computer on the same network, and you can configure everything from a web browser. So mm-hmm. I can remote into these customers' computers and you know configure it from their computer. Absolutely. It's pretty cool. Um, so... W- what um has the company had to pivot a little bit because of covid or not really like what what are the challenges so far i mean really for my department nothing's really changed mm-hmm. it's just most of us are working from home that other, wouldn't otherwise work from home but we can still do the same job um i don't have a rack of gear here at at the office, I would have like racks and racks of gear all over the place to play with, but that's really the only difference. Um, but we are helping more, more and more, getting people set up with remote configurations. So, like, remoting in to help them set up stuff, or then buying some of our products that they could use to control the studio remotely. Um, we mm. make some products where. Um, where they can they can control the console remotely, so they don't have to be in the same room. So that's super cool. Um, mm. We make some products where um, uh, their talent can call in from home, and it would sound it would sound better than a phone call. Um, it, it would probably sound better than this. I mean, it would it would sound like 
generally like they're in the room. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this isn't that bad, but, um, yeah. So that some of that stuff has been getting more attention, but right. For sure. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, let, let's move on to recording. Cause, uh, definitely want to pick your brain, you know, for, from the technical side there. I mean, given that a lot of musicians are now stuck home and, you know, they're not able to get to a studio and record and maybe they haven't got the technical knowledge, you know, because they've always done something under the studio. Like what, what advice would you have for a musician that really hasn't done any recording to set something up and get a reasonable sound, at least for a good sounding demo? Um, I would, I would get a USB interface. Um, so I'm actually using one from focus right right now. I think it's a Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah. Scarlet six I six. Um, but I would recommend something like that or PreSonus make some decent ones. Um, you know, get something like that. And then um, I would download Reaper immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Reaper um, is a, it's an amazing DAW. Um, there's a bit of a learning curve, but just if you just put the time into it, I don't, I don't think you'll, you'll have much of a problem with it. Um, there's a lot of great resources out there for learning it. There's, there's a couple of different YouTubers and people who, who do all kinds of tutorials for it. So it's learning it really isn't that much of a problem. You just have to sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's only 60 bucks, but it has a 60 day free trial. That's, that doesn't have any limitations. Um, there's, there's no reason not to try that. Um, it's right. It's an amazing tool and it's, I have Pro Tools as well, and I've used all, basically, I've used everything else. And Reaper is just as good, if not better. So, Interesting. Yeah, I would, so I would recommend a USB interface um, and Reaper um, at, the, at the very least. Um, anything else like mics or plugins and stuff like that kind of depend on what you're looking to get into. Sure. I mean, as far as, let's take it from a, um, I mean, bass, you probably get away with just a DI. I go DI. The time. I go DI. Yeah. Yeah. For guitar, um, you know, the plugins are getting better and better. I still just like an SM58 on my cab because it's easy. I, uh, I was going to pick it up, but I'm not going to. Um, I don't have a guitar amp. Hmm. <laughs> so... I uh, I use uh, a Pod HD 300. Okay. Um, I have tried just about every um, guitar plugin on the market, and I don't like any of them. Have you tried the Pliny? Yes. From you, you tried it. I don't like it. That's getting that's getting a lot of good. I'm reviews. not saying it's bad. I'm saying I don't like it. Right. Um, but it has a demo. So if it's something you're interested in, totally check it out. Um, mm. I just couldn't get a sound that I liked out of it. Um, but I mean, it was one of the better ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I was playing around with a lot for a while was, um, Emissary. Okay. I've heard of that. From, um, Ignite Audio, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's, that one's free actually. And, um, for free, it's pretty good. Um, the Pliny one's probably better, but the Pliny one's also like $150. Right. So, 
Yeah, but uh, honestly, um, I just use the pod. My only issue with the pod is, um, so like I'll, I'll record through the pod and I'll use a, a DI box to, to split and I'll go direct at the same time. Okay. And then, um, so that's what I did with Stridger Forms with Almageddon is I actually took my, my clean track and I reamped it through the pod um, once I found a guitar sound I liked on that. Because the original sound mm. I used, I didn't like. So I kept playing with it and eventually found something I liked. So does that three, I'm not familiar with the 300. Is that, uh, does that have um, mic and cab sims in it? Or do you use a separate mic and cab sim plugin? Uh, it has the mic and cab sims in it. Because ha- I, I often find the uh, mic and cab sims on processes aren't, that great yeah i haven't liked most of them either although i've liked these more in general than the plugins i've tried sure um which seems odd because the dsp would be similar i would think yeah do you 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 don't haven't messed around with any um uh what do they call them uh when they take a, a sample of the sound of the cab into the mic Oh, an impulse response. Impulse response. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, have you have you uh, messed around with any IIs? Totally. The yeah. um, yeah. Actually, I don't know that I actually have done anything in particular with that. Um, but I've totally I've messed around with it. Absolutely. Um, there's some good impulse responses out there too. Um, I can't load any into the pod. I just have to use what they give me. Right. Um, I just wondered if you turned the cab and the you know that model off in the pod and then put it as a plug-in in the D- daw that's a good idea if you can i hadn't thought of that ah i'm so I, there you go i can turn off i think i can turn off the cab you should be able I'm, to you should you can in in older models i so. can i can yeah uh i'm gonna do that totally gonna mm. try it now you've got a thousand different <laughs> tracks with like all these different mic models well, and i need cab models. hold on i need to i need to I, I need to stall the release of Armageddon so I could remix it for the 800th Too time. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> Do it for the next one. <sighs> yeah, how's how's that? That's one of the biggest things I think is, uh, you know, you know, you're you're never gonna be happy with something that you're that close to. You just want to cut it off release it, move on to the. That's next what thing. I had to do with it. Yeah, I was getting too close to it. My my wife was like, "Dude, you got to stop." <laughs> Um, all right, so let's let's move on to the big questions. What significant major negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? You know, I've been listening to your podcast and I knew you were going to ask that and it's still a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Um, there was a stretch for a couple of years um, where I... I don't know if it was the job I was in at the time um, or or what. Um, my diet was off for those couple of years. Like, I just wasn't eating that well or very much at all. I didn't sleep. My Well, I did sleep, but my sleep habits were just mm. stupid. But I just got really depressed for like two or three years. It was bad. Um, and I didn't want to write anything i didn't want to play anything i didn't want to work on anything i basically just played video games when i came home from work um and uh 
I, I was it was hard. Um, and I and, it, and I had a hard time figuring out what the heck was going on because I haven't had a history of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so I it it was it was just a really strange time. Um, I I don't I don't know if some of that had, had like I said had some of that had to do with my job um, because at the time I was doing some stuff that was similar to what I like to work on my personal stuff. So some of that was, I didn't, I didn't want to work on my stuff and, right. and maybe that, maybe that didn't help with the depression either. Cause I wasn't working on my stuff or I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, like I said, there was a lot going on from that, but I kind of realized that I needed to just take care of myself. Um, I needed to have a, somewhat stable diet and not just have a cinnamon roll and coffee for breakfast. Um, <laughs> I, I'm that my bre- breakfast habits are terrible, but I'm trying to be better. Um, go to sleep at a reasonable time and not on the couch and, uh, or like, um, go outside every once in a while. I was, like I said, I was just playing video games. I like, didn't go outside and see anybody. Um, and, uh, and then, like, I also realized, because I think, like I said, I think maybe the job could have been part of it. I don't I don't really know. Um, but I can't have my professional work kind of overlap with my personal projects. Sure. Um, to an extent, it's okay. But if I, if there's too much overlap there, I just have, like, the, the passion that I have for, for music is just gone. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Right, totally. <laughs> it really sucked. Um, I don't really know how to how to turn this around, man. It was it was hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, what what did you what was instead of, like what instead of what you learned? I mean, what what did you do to change to to change it around? I mean, once. I mean, thankfully, um, my my wife was very understanding about it, and. Um, even though it, and it, this was this particular time period was hard on our marriage, um, mm. but she's amazing and she helped me um, figure out, like, not figure out, but like, cause she so she's a she's a dietitian, so okay, she's like, all right, well, here's what you need to eat in order to fuel your body. Here, like, here's when we're going to sleep. Like, <laughs> um, she she did a lot to help me through that, and then. Um, Again, going back to the job, I got I got a different job, and um, like right around like a couple of months after all that, this started to clear up, and I was seeing more people because of the different job I was in. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of people in the the other job, right? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, just I don't know, I I don't really know what to go with where to go with that, um. I got some cool song lyrics out of it. Nice. Well, so it it may have been worth it. Yeah. I mean, to to springboard off that though, um if if you ended up being able to live off of your music, do you do you think that maybe you would have an issue in terms of now you have to make a li- well, 
Yeah, I mean, in in an ideal world, would you want to make a living off your music, or do you think that would rear its head again in saying, "Well, this is what I have to do for a living, but it's also my creative output." That's a fantastic question because for forever, I wanted to live off of my music. Um, mm. Part of the reason I went into uh, recording is because I wanted to know how to record my own music. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And when this experience happened, it's it made me really second guess it. Um, I think now, um, I mean, it would... It would. It still sounds cool, but realistically, I think the weekend warrior thing would be mm. better. Like just, you know, play a couple of shows every couple of weekends or something, and have it have it just be a side thing that I do. Um, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it would be different if it's my stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's tough talking. You know, hypothetically, but you, you got to wonder if the. Um the pressure of, you know, it being an income stream does put too much pressure on the creative side of it, I guess. Right. So I don't know. Oh. I, I've been thinking about that, about that a lot since this particular experience. So, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, what? I mean, what, pos- what major positive experience has given you an encouragement to follow, you know, music as a journey or audio in general? I'm going to go back to high school, Simon. Uh, okay. I just... I remember being in uh, the band concerts, like being on stage for the band concerts, or um, I remember my first um, marching band show when I was a freshman, and I just, I just something about contributing to something like that 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 people um, just got an entertainment out of, like people enjoyed, you know, mm-hmm. listening. I think people enjoyed listening to a bunch of high schoolers play. I don't know, but. Um, I don't know. Like it wasn't so much being in front of people, but it. I liked being able to contribute to that. Um, like I don't think I, like with that. I don't think I could be a solo musician. But it's being in a group of people playing together, um, for, you know, to give to give to somebody to give to a group of people to like enjoy for a time or you know like forget about the worries for a minute. Like, I just, I don't know. Something about doing that as a group really just resonated with mm. me. I felt I felt like I was at home. Cool. Even though I was on a stage at the school. Right. Which is not where I lived. Oh. I mean, <laughs> where, where you, uh, in that kind of time frame, you, you're, you, you know, it. I think regardless of how, you know, obviously I, um, talked about bullying in in previous episodes and you know regardless of that you know it's still you're up there and they're not you know but it's it but yeah playing as a group it really really uh yeah and it's it's like i've said said this before it's kind of meditative because it's you know getting into that groove and and everyone else is sharing the groove and you know time kind of stands still yeah it's it's amazing and it's been like that for um all 12 shows that I've played since then. Um, the uh, Actually, one of the, the best ones, if you don't mind me going on a tangent on that a little bit. Go for it. Was our first Progzilla show. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was great because it was entirely improvised. Uh, and I recorded it. Um, nice. <laughs> but 
I remember uh, me, Bruce, and Chris, we didn't have the keyboardist at the time. Uh, the three of us just got on stage and looked at each other, and we were like, I don't know, you want to play an E minor or something? And <laughs> we just played. Um, after like three songs, we ran out of ideas, so we asked the audience for for top like musical topics and themes and scales and stuff. Um, but it was just so cool to be able to do that with the group. That's awesome. Um, yeah, did you so did you go to college for music or um what's your back what's your background after high school? Right. So um I was going to go to college for music. That was the plan. Um but I so to get into the music college I needed to do an audition on my instrument, um, which I didn't play bass. Retrospect, probably a silly idea. Um, I played euphonium for my audition, and I had to take a music theory test. I did really well in the theory test, and I bombed the audition, so I didn't get in. Um, And I decided not to pursue it. I guess it was another one of those things where I was like, well, maybe that's okay. Maybe I'll just focus on my own stuff. (laughs) Noticing a theme. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then after jumping around majors a little bit, I um, just found out that I could I, so I went to to Bowling Green um so that's and that's how I know Bruce and Chris because they're they're from that area um mm-hmm. but I found out that I was basically able to make my own major and they had a recording minor so I took their recording minor added a couple of engineering um and business classes and I and a couple of other music classes and I just said it was my major. I was like, I'm a recording major now. Nice. Yeah. That's killer. Um, so, you know what's coming next? Is, if you've heard the podcast. Is this the music part? It is. What does music mean to you? Uh, music, um, music is life, man. Um, music, um, I, for me, I, I'm just always tapping something or playing something in my head or not, not even on purpose, but you know, it's just music. is just mm. constantly playing in my head. Um, I guess constantly tapping, singing, humming. I mean, it's just ingrained in who I am as a person. Uh, I think it drives my wife crazy, uh, <laughs> but she's amazing for putting up with it. Um, yeah. And, but what I find fascinating about that part of it, in that in that it's just who I am, um, music has a lot. I, I mean, I think music has a lot to do with just human nature mm. in general. So I, I just I don't know. I think it's fascinating how music, um, even for people who don't really consider themselves to be musicians or into music, are definitely more are definitely more in, um, influenced by music than they think that they might be. Sure. Music is just so ingrained in the human experience. It's, I think it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, if people want to uh, find out about your, uh, your bands, about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, Strigiforms. Um, so that's just for spelling. That's S T R I G 
I-F-O-R-M-S. There's technically an E in that word, and I dropped the E. Um, so that's, um, you can go to facebook.com slash strigiforms or strigiforms.bandcamp.com. Um, about time is, uh, it's about time, Ohio, one word. And that would either, that would like strigiforms, uh, uh facebook.com slash about time, Ohio, um, or about time, Ohio.bandcamp.com. Um, and then, uh, Wailing Whales, um, I don't think Wailing Whales is on Facebook, actually. Um, it's on Bandcamp, uh, whalingwhales.bandcamp.com. Um, I played on two of those albums, and um, I mixed a handful of his stuff as well. But that's that's mostly Phil. But okay. I'm like... And that's, that's wailing as in crying, not wailing as in shooting whales with harpoons. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right, you got it. Okay, very good. It's like crying whales. Yeah, wailing whales. Okay. Um, any other projects you would like to mention? No. <laughs> I yeah, okay. I can't think of anything. Awesome. All right, and then finally, uh, what song, presumably from the new Strigi Farms album, would you like me to play at the end? Uh, I'm thinking Cycle of Regret. Okay. Do you have a story behind it? Um, I just think it's the strongest song on the album. But, uh, I mean, as far as the song lyrics or oh, anything like that. Bruce wrote the lyrics. Oh, crap. So I'll have to ask him. So I think that has to do with um, him just kind of feeling stuck in where he was in that period of life. Like, like I said, a lot of this stuff was written like seven to ten years ago. So mm. I don't know if he has the same attitude about it now, but at the time I think he just felt kind of stuck. So, and it felt okay. like it was, I think he felt like it was on him. Uh, mm. I might also be putting words in his mouth, in his mouth. So you might want to ask think him. He need, yeah. He needs to come back on the podcast. So, you know, to be continued. Yes. He wrote three of the songs or th- three. He wrote lyrics for three of the songs actually. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you on on you know video for the first time. Yeah. Obviously, we've been uh, likewise talking quite a long time, but um, yeah, this was great. Yeah, it's so. it's it's good to finally chat face to face. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. No, thank you, Simon. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was really great to chat with Tim, and there's also a possibility of us working together musically in the near future. So we'll have to see how that goes and stay tuned. Let me know what you think on social media, on Instagram, at MetalDoggy, M-E-T-A-L-D-O-G-G-I-E, and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash music on your own terms. And finally, if you're on LinkedIn, check out my LinkedIn page, which you can find at linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash music on your own terms. I'm honestly liking the more clean look and professional environment that LinkedIn provides. Stay tuned for the next episode coming soon, and I will leave you with a track from the new Strigiforms album, Almageddon. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Strigiforms with Cycle of Regret.